You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. back to another episode of the Noble and Roosh Show. I'm your host, Roosh Williams. Zach Noble. Bang, bang, man. Today we got Mike Muscala of the Oklahoma City Thunder in the house. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for coming. We appreciate your time. Um, so, Mike, just wanted to kind of start things off, man. Like, tell us how the bubble was, what that whole experience was like, expectations, what was met, what wasn't met, what was exceeded, all that. Uh, it was cool, man. I mean, um, you know, they had everything well run in terms of the testing. We got tested every day um, for COVID. We had questionnaires. We would fill out in the morning, take our temperatures, take uh, like blood oxygen levels, something like every that morning. every morning. Yeah. So we do that. I mean, so I think, you know, the NBA did a great job uh, of making us all feel safe from a COVID standpoint. Um and, you know, uh, having the, the three different hotel resorts, um, turning some of those into practice courts, you know, for the first couple of weeks we were there, obviously it was practice and preseason games, uh, taking buses uh, in between uh, practice times and games. And, you know, it was cool. I mean, it got, it got uh, you know, it got to be a little repetitive, but ultimately I, I really liked it just because, uh, you know, it kept things simple. Um, the food was good. They took took really good care of us, and it just helped us all focus just on basketball and trying to, um, you know, put a good product on the court. So were the luxuries nice enough where the mental aspect didn't come into play for you enough? I mean, I've, that's what I've heard. It was more so just like a Hunger Games mental side of things, a little bit challenging from your daily rituals and activities. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends how you look at it. You know, I think it it was unique in in the. In the, in the mental health, um, you know, approach or, or mindset, you know, you, like I said, it would get repetitive. So I, that's probably where the biggest challenge was, was it was like, how do you, um, you know, kind of just not get too, um, I mean, not, not let those days kind of wear on you, if you will, since it's just the same routine, if, if you will. But finding, uh, I think for me, I found a lot of joy just in, in playing um, with, with the guys, even though I wasn't necessarily getting a lot of minutes on the game, um, being able to go to the gym and just, you know, play three on three, play five on five, uh, and get out there in kind of like a, in a unique environment that probably will never happen again, depending on, you know, I don't know what, what will happen next season. Um, but, you know, they and they also let us go play golf. Uh, NBA was real cool about that. They reserved a lot of tee times um, at, like, the Disney golf resort. So that was super nice of them, uh, be able to go and just get outside for a little bit, play nine holes was cool. So was that covered, or did you guys pay for that out of pocket? Not that that's yeah, really that big of a deal. It was awesome. Oh, that's wild. That's, that's uh, awesome, man. Hey, I have golf balls. So when I sliced, like, seven of them into the <laughs> every time I played, you know. <laughs> that was so, that was the main thing you did outside of hooping though? You golfed a lot? 
Yeah, golf. Uh, that was pretty much the big thing. Uh, brought my Xbox, so played Call of Duty. Played, uh, read a lot of books, or not a lot, but for me, um, that was cool. So it was good. I think mean, it was a reminder for me just to know how to like pass time uh, and just you know be be grateful for what I have, man. You know, uh, things were good. Things were good. So from a basketball perspective, I think a lot of people going in uh, were skeptical about you know whether whether it would be whether it would replicate like what we usually see in the season. Me personally, I don't, I don't really see a difference at all as far as the basketball product goes. I, I feel like the hooping is still top notch. Um, but what is your kind of opinion on how it all played out and how do you compare the basketball product um, to, you know, the regular season when you guys are traveling and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, definitely um, I think it's easier for guys to be rested just, you know, despite the fact that, you know, there's games every other day. I feel like usually I could correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys know, but like in the, you know, in, in each round of the playoffs, it's usually not like when you travel back to a different city, you get two days in between a game. Yep. It's not uh, one day in between, but I, I do think I realize, like, I think I might be speaking for some other guys too, is that, you know, the not having to fly so often. I mean, you realize how much, I mean, we're used to it as NBA players, but you know, you realize how much flying, and getting in late, you know, going to bed late, all that stuff. I mean, it, it adds up and, you know, we're used to, to dealing with it. But I think being able to have a game at like, you know, you know, in the regular season bubble games um, and I can think even some playoff games, you know, there are some pretty early games. So to be able to be done by 5, 6 p.m., uh, even 9 and then not have to go, you know, get back on a plane and, and land at 2 a.m. Uh, it helped guys, I think, recover more despite the fact that there was just one game in between games, one day in between. Nope. Schedule-wise, this is the fastest turnaround probably, I don't know, in NBA history for every – I mean, back-to-back -back games in every game. But are you saying the lack there of flights and uh, traveling buses-wise, I mean, you think that's made up for the difference in days that separated the games? Uh, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, I from a personal perspective, uh, I do feel like, yeah, it kind of – that's a good way to put it, kind of met in the middle. You know, the fact that there was only one day in between, but then you take out the flying, you know, I'm thinking a way it evened up. So no no excuses for being tired? I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess you, I mean, you should ideally never try to have an excuse for being tired, you know, but uh, it happens. I mean, hey, uh, you know, I it, like the thinking back on like a back-to-back game during the regular season before the bubble where you play at home and then fly or, or vice versa, play away and then fly back home and then play the next day after a flight. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a tough one. That's a hard one to do, but uh, being in a bubble on a back-to-back -back is like a whole lot easier. That's for sure. I mean, look, when I, like if I'm traveling and I got to work the next day, I, I usually schedule. <laughs> it's a bitch. I usually schedule a buffer day, right? Like if I'm, if I got to work on Monday, I'm flying on Saturday. So Sunday I could chill. I could not imagine having to fly and then wake up, you know, fly like three, four in the morning, wake up and then go play a basketball game that night. So I, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine that. I think that getting the rest, it just makes sense that it would help not having to travel. It just makes sense that it would help. And I think we saw that, you know, I think we saw like, like game to game. There just wasn't, I don't know. I don't know how to kind of describe it. it. Just seemed game to game, like it was the same game over and over. You didn't have like the kind of shifts and the ups and downs that you get like from the home and away kind of thing. So that's that's yeah. like watching it. That's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, obviously, without real, you know, with fans there in person, uh, you know, obviously, it was such a different, you know, 
ambiance and atmosphere, uh, especially in the playoffs. Can you can no, you elaborate on that? Like without fans versus with fans, I've seen a lot of discussions where people say, "Oh, it doesn't matter." Um, I'm personally of the belief that like you guys are professionals, you you do it, you know, this is your job, you're used to it. But I just can't help but think that like hearing these people scream in the background, it like has some type of effect. Like, can you elaborate on how you felt? Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be probably you know a combination of two. I mean, yeah, we're at as NBA, as professional athletes, we're used to there being a lot of people at games, you know, you know, 15, 20,000 people. But um, so we're used to that. But I think um, it's still, uh, even though we're used to it, it still matters, you know, like you feel like you go out for a game, in a, you know, in the middle of January somewhere, and there's only 8,000 people at the game, you feel that as a player. Now you go out and do your job, obviously, and, and you try to do the best you can. But it's it, there's there of course, there are differences, and you feel the energy as a human being. I mean, yeah. there's no way around it. So no, um, I'm like, go for it. Yeah. So, but so I think you know that, and you, you know, you, you feel the energy of your home crowd. I mean, I, I actually like playing on the road a lot too because you feel like you go out there and everyone's kind of rooting against you. I think that's fun. Um, but then playing in the bubble was also cool because it was kind of like playing in the summer, like an open gym. Uh, where there's no one really watching in terms of fans, yet there is, there, yet there are a lot of people watching virtually. So um, I think that was fun too, but it just creates different, it just creates different energy. And I think, Bruce, what you're saying, you know, probably um, seemed true for me was that it was more just kind of, um, you know, it was just the game more itself. Uh, and, and it wasn't so much of, of the energy of the crowd, which I do think, you know, plays a role in the playoffs. I was going to say like the Thunder specifically, uh, like that, that home court is wild. Those people show up every game, like before tip off. Cause I, like I said, I'm a Houston fan and we have, we're known for not really having that kind of crowd until it's like a, a big game. So I can imagine like, you know, playing for the Thunder in the playoffs, like personally Houston playing Oklahoma city, I was glad that it was in the bubble. Cause I, you know, it went seven games regardless. So I guess it didn't matter, but it's an intimidating environment, even when you're watching it on TV. And then on the flip side of that, you got, you got guys like Westbrook that, like, I don't know if you saw the, the clip, but, like, he yelled at the – he, like, makes a big play and he yelled at the sideline and, like, they pan over and it's just, like, the moms with their, with their yeah. babies. <laughs> Screaming at babies then picking fights with Rondo's brother. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, what were you no, going to say? Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Like, the basketball just seems very – synonymous and very similar every game in and game out like there's no momentum shifts there's no swings and that has a lot to do with the crowd I mean all these players I've talked to and many of them say it really hasn't impacted them or the game or anything like that but I it's hard for me to believe that it really is uh because I I truly don't think we would have seen the Nuggets come back from three to one twice uh if it wasn't for the bubble, you know, with, with the fans and the, and the, and the crowd atmosphere and all that, just the pressure of that on their back and just feel people breathing a little bit. I mean, there'd be a lot more missed free throws in my estimation as well, because free throw percentage is up a decent amount. Um, but with that said, um, there's a lot of performances just individually I just don't think we would have seen if it wasn't for the bubble. Just Mike, you went on to say it's an open gym atmosphere, and everybody's saying that. I think dudes are hooping on another level in open gym yet, day in and day out, more consistently because they're just free and playing within themselves a lot more versus a system, which can be really tough for people. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of, you know, comparing apples to oranges in a way. You know, it's – 
two completely different things. Um, but that's interesting that you noticed that the free throw percentages have gone up. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to look at, you know, more stats when it's all said and done um, and kind of compare it that way. Yeah, I also think um, just from the human element, man, like, like referees are humans too. And I, I feel like it's impossible as a referee to not feel that momentum from a home crowd kind of breathing down your neck um, and how that would potentially influence your decision. But I guess we'll have to see. Um, but it could so, get any shittier, could they? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, hey, it, like home court or not, they're still sending in Scott Foster to do what Scott Foster does. So I guess it doesn't matter. But um, but shifting from that, man. So Oklahoma City played Houston in the first round. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, did did you guys as a team have a specific opponent in mind that you wanted? Was it just kind of doesn't matter who we get, we're ready to play? And then in addition to that. How did you feel, uh, you individually and your team, and maybe even specifically Chris Paul, given his history with the Rockets, how did you feel going into that matchup against Houston and throughout? Yeah, um, you know, I think obviously we knew um, three through six, especially we're close uh, in the West in terms of the seeding. So um, I think for a while I was kind of looking at it, but then I was like, you know what, it's going to drive me nuts. Like things shift. <laughs> every day by the game so let's just go out and hoop and let's try to be feel good about what we're doing you know and go into the playoffs um feeling like you know we're, we're cohesive and, and guys are feeling good about their games um and then uh, but obviously i mean yeah I, you know houston you know i thought it was a heck of a team uh you know they're they're so unique with with their approach and um they had guys who could really just flat out play man and uh you know when you you space the floor like that, but you got such they had such good defenders and smart defenders, um, you know, and even though they, you know, quote unquote, small ball, you know, I think they did such a good job rebounding. Um, and, you know, James Harden is just a fantastic player. So, uh, you know, I hate it came down to the wire there. And um, obviously knowing that, you know, Chris had played for, for Houston, um, you know, I knew it was going to be a, a hard fought series, um, which it was, you know, and uh, came down to the very end. So um, obviously wish that we had won at the end, but, um, you know, the better team won in the end. So it's, it's all good. Um, and, and yeah, I think uh, I thought, you know, the, the series with the Rockets and the, and the Lakers, um, you know, I thought it was going to go more games too. Uh, I stopped watching after probably the second or third game, um, but, you know, I was kind of surprised. From yeah, your I mean, perspective, how uh... – what was your, I mean, what was the game plan going into the Rocket series and the strategy you guys were, were trying to purvey, I guess, and how did you guys execute that? How well did you execute that? Um, you know, I, I think it, a, a lot of it came down to one-on-one -on -one defense, um, trying to limit uh, Harden, you know, and, and I think, you know, Russ obviously didn't play the first few games, so a lot of it was focused on, on Harden, trying to, um, keep him in front as much as we could and, and not give out, you know, corner three kicks, um, slot three, you know, catch and shoot threes. Um, I thought, you know, Robert Covington had a heck of a series. Um, and in Jeff Green, Eric Gordon, I mean, those guys can really play. So I think it was a lot of one-on-one -on -one defense trying to, you know, first think that and, and try to keep your guy in front and then, um, you know, when, when people will get beat, knowing how to help and where to help from so we can have the proper rotation on the backside. Because when you got five guys out there who can shoot threes, 
um, you know, it makes it tough because uh, you gotta you gotta be on your rotations because once you start getting rotations, you know at some point there's probably gonna be a three that's open. Um, so that's why the one-on-one -on -one defense is so important. Do you think that it's a scenario specifically with that matchup where you understand that you're gonna give up something and you're picking and choosing what you're giving up? And if so, um, could you maybe elaborate on what it was that you guys were comfortable giving up? kind of like live, maybe living with like a P.J. Tucker corner, not corner, but like an elbow three, for example, or something like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, we definitely didn't want to give up corner threes. Uh, and I think a few, first, a, few, a few times in the first couple games, uh, me included, probably helped too much from, uh, from the corners, um, from the weak side corners. But it's tough, you know, when you, when you got someone like, like Harden coming in, getting to the rim, um, you know, you're taught your whole life to come over on that weak side and be there to help, but he's a really good passer. So, uh, you know, if, did we, did we say something in particular that we wanted to give up? Not really. We didn't try to say like, Hey, let's let this player shoot a, a ton of these. Um, and I think that's kind of really what, you know, that that's the power of, of the three point shot having guys who are, who are, willing and good shooters and who will keep shooting you know when they're open um that's that really makes it tough on a defense how did the tale of dort come to be how did, <laughs> how did how did this mythological creature come out of the woodwork and yeah uh, he, he did a fantastic job i think um he uh i mean it's a good question you know that's the question probably for him hear, hear more of his story um He's a, he's a really good dude. He deserves everything coming his way. I mean, he works hard. Um, he's got a really good mindset, you know, especially after uh, – I forget which game it was, maybe like four or five. He, You know, I think he went like 0 for 9 from three. Um, and for any player, that's it's, you know, a little tough, and, and especially for a rookie. But I was really proud of him, the fact that you – know, obviously his defense is, is phenomenal, but uh, he kept – he kept shooting uh, and then had that such a big game in game seven. Um, I think he had at least 30 points or somewhere around there. Um, 30 even. And, you know, and he kept, yeah, 30 even. Okay. So, you know, and, and I think went six for 12 and three or something like that. So um, I was really happy for him for that because it's, it wasn't so much, you know, it wasn't so much like making the threes. It was, it was the mindset um, and, and keeping that, that aggressive mindset because like I was just saying with the Rockets, when you have, Everyone on a team, you know, who, when they're open, they're shooting it. Um, that's what makes it hard. When you got guys who are gonna, you're not gonna want to shoot or pass it up when they're open, that makes it hard in the whole offense. So um, it was really cool to see him ball out there in the game seven. Yeah, rest assured that all Rockets fans before the game knew that it was gonna be a Lou Dort game. We just had the feeling, and once it, once it started happening, everyone collectively was just thinking, yeah. Of course, this is, this is how it's gonna go down. We're about to, and when I'll tell you, when he caught that three before Harden had the block and, and ended the series. I thought it was over. I thought we were going. I thought it was death by Dort. Um, <laughs> death by Dort. That's but, uh, hashtag for days. But, but, yo, to that effect, man, so the Thunder, look, preseason, there were very low expectations from the media. Um, I personally never count Chris Paul out. I watched that guy who, two of my favorite Rocket seasons ever for my team, and you've hooped with him, so you should know. You can never count Chris Paul out. And I thought y'all had a good collection of talent. Um, maybe not like LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard names, but I mean, Danilo Gallinari is a veteran. He knows how to score. Shea Gilgis-Alexander Alexander is a great young talent. 
Dennis Schroeder kind of had a resurgence season for him for himself, had a great season, I think should have been sixth man of the year. Um, and then of course, Chris Paul anchoring. And so the Thunder out, outlived and outdid all expectations um, and took the Rockets down to the very last second and honestly could have won that series. Um, so can you just kind of speak to the nature of the team um, and how you guys, and even in the series, there was a point, I think when it was maybe 2-1, it was either 2-1 or 2-2, I can't remember, or 3-2, I can't remember. Um, but Houston was going off in that third quarter. They had like eight threes. It looked like they were putting their foot on your neck and it was going to be done. And then you came marching back. And each game that Oklahoma City won <clears throat> was won in the final seconds um, of the game, except for the overtime game. But that was also one in the final seconds of the game. Um, so I'm kind of speaking to the nature of the grit that your team had. And I was just wondering if you could kind of elaborate on like the mindset and y'all's collective approach and just kind of like how y'all embodied that and, and put it out on the court. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of it is CP, man. Like you said, you can never count him out. And uh, being able to play with him for a year, uh, learned a lot from him and his mindset. And he's a special, special person, man, a special player for sure. Um, and I think it started with him, um, to be honest. Uh, you know, his, his approach day in and day out, you know, um, from day one uh, coming in in the preseason, you know, it was, it was consistent. And uh, that's somebody that, you know, you're going to go to war with and, and, and that would be, you know, your leader because he, he does it, man. Like he, he obviously sees the game and, and, you know, he's, he's speaking what he sees, but, but he's out there doing it. Um, and, and he's in, you know, he's in it every day. So especially, you know, for, with his years of experience, um, him, you know, buying into the group and, uh, and, you know, and, and playing as hard as he did. And, um, it was, it was fun to be a part of that, man. And we'd be able to see him do his thing. Uh, and, um, you know, and then I think, you know, just the city of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, um, state of Oklahoma, you know, Sam Presti, Billy Donovan, um, it's a heck of an organization. Uh, being my first year there this, this, this past season, uh, I was just grateful for the opportunity myself. Uh, I feel like, you know, you alluded to earlier, they have really, really good fans. Thunder fans are, are great. It's fun to play for them uh, at home games. Um, and we could feel their support from the bubble too. Uh, and just everyone in the organization, man, coaches, other players, trainers, um, just good people. So, uh, you know, it, it was fun. It was fun to, it was a fun team to be on because I think um, people just, you know, appreciated and respected uh, who others on the organization and team were. Um, there weren't people out there necessarily trying to ch change, you know, what they did. They were just trying to help, everyone's trying to help each other along the way uh, and, and kind of love each other for who they were. So, um, that was something I was really grateful for, you know, especially after having kind of bounced around uh, to it from a few teams the year before, just being on one team for the whole year and, and really feeling like, again, to know people. Um, I think that's what, you know, maybe that's what, you know, led us to surprising people um, and having, you know, exceeding expectations. That's awesome, man. That sounds like an amazing culture and what sports and a business is supposed to be. I mean, it's, it's, that's great to hear. Um, Myers Leonard, I was talking to him yesterday and just ravishing about the heat culture. And that sounds like there's some similarities there. And just, cause everybody always talks about the heat culture that, I mean, heat, 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 all that. I mean, and it's real. And the Kool-Aid, the Kool-Aid, listen to Jimmy Butler talk about the bouncing around. And it's good to hear that about other organizations as well. And, especially you've been in with a couple of them. So you have a good understanding of how a true team and an organization is supposed to run. Now, looking back on 
your year here. Uh, how do you assess it compared to um, the other six before this? You're just wrapping up year seven um, individually. How did you feel it went for you? Um, I thought it went okay for me. Um, I didn't have a good start to the season, um, but you know, I think um, ultimately uh, I feel like I grew from it. Um, I feel like you know I learned a lot uh, personally um, and kind of how to uh, I don't know approach approach off seasons. Um, and I think the 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 when COVID hit. Um, having basically the season just abruptly come to an end um, and not knowing when uh, we're going to play again, if we will, this season, all that stuff. Um, I learned a lot from that because you know, I, I had to just kind of take things one day at a time and just be ready, you know, for whenever it was going to happen. Um, or maybe it wasn't, but kind of falling in love more with the process um, and falling back in love with the game. So I think, you know, my numbers and um, – you know, playing time and, and defense and stuff, I think could – I was not, not necessarily happy with that from the season, um, but the success we had as a team and the lessons I took from, from the year personally and the joy that I got back uh, to, for me for basketball, um, I'm, I'm really grateful for it. And, and in that sense, um, I view it personally as, as, a, as a good season for me. That's awesome. What – what do you say was your most fun season you've had so far? F favorite team you've been on? Honest with you, it might have been this one, um, Atlanta, when we went to uh, the Eastern Conference Finals in 2014, 2015. That was fun. Um, that was a fun run to be a part of. Uh, but you know, this one's close, man. Um, you know, in, in in pro sports, you know, I think college is different. But uh, this one was really fun. You know, I think just, I mean, it was almost a full year uh, when you think about it. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, from, from September to, uh, you know, when I got to OKC to then finishing basically in September in Orlando. And I never thought it would have obviously gone that route. Um, but it was a long year, uh, but it was fun. It was fun, man. So moving forward, man, um, I think if, if I if I have this correctly, I think you have a player option coming up. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if you're allowed to talk about it. So, you know, we'll rub the hands. Who knows? But do you have? What's have it gonna even, be? Listen, what's it gonna be, baby? Have you <laughs> even, uh, considered the future? Um, have you really not gotten to that that kind of part of your line of thinking yet? Um, and just what do you see for yourself in the future? I mean, I remember when you were still a free agent. Um, some Rockets fans had hopes of getting a stretch big. Um, so. Do you have, you know, anything in mind for the future or are you dead set on coming back to Oklahoma or, you know, kind of what's your outlook? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first I want to figure out when, uh, like, free agency is going to start because I think that's still in flux. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like a moving day. I could be wrong, but I think we're just going to start there and figure out when that is. Um, and then I think I'm just going to, you know, take my time leading up to that uh, since, since I'll have it um, just to – you know, kind of see, um, you know, obviously Billy and the Thunder have parted ways, so um, see what happens there. Uh, and, you know, just take my time a little bit. Um, enjoy some time back. I'm back in Minnesota. Zach, what part of Minnesota are you from, man? You got the 507 area code. You got it. Owatonna, man. Oh, okay. 
Nice. You, rem you, you remember playing a couple of seven footers from there? Oh, a ton of, yeah. Um, you, you dunked on one of my buddies pretty good. <laughs> six, six, eight, Steinbauer. Um, he played D2 at Concordia. Okay. And then uh, Melcher, he played the same time as my class. I mean, I graduated graduated high school in 09. But, oh, yeah. right. oh, cool. Okay. So you're in Owatonna now still? Uh, no, I uh, – I graduated. I went to KU, Kansas. Um, <laughs> then I did three years in Boston, did grad school out there, and then three and a half in Kansas City. I just moved back to Minnesota last fall, but I live up in Prior Lake now. Oh, cool. Nice, man. Yeah, uh, um, you, yeah I saw the, the, the area code, and I'm like, that looks familiar. And hell yeah, you, man. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but uh, Rich, I think, man, just going to uh, take my time with it. I would love to be back in Oklahoma City, man. Um, you know, like I said, it's it's a it's a, a great fans to play for, and I really fall in love with the city. So um, I would love to do that, but just gonna take my time here. It's awesome. So, what what is the plans for the off season? Are you back in Minnesota now, or what what's the game plan? Yeah, I am back. Uh, I'm kind of sweating through my shirt here. I just got done <laughs> doing a little, little garage. I turned into a little workout room. So uh, just kind of doing that uh workout i played with with mitch onstead uh over yeah there you go yeah yeah so uh we play i played AU for him so i go train with him and go shoot around with him uh, in the off season so probably just do that play a little bit of golf spend time with the family and friends um and yeah man just kind of take it easy keep training and see what will happen for next year man i, I really I really want to go. I've been wanting to go to Minnesota for a while. Um, my my girl is confused. She's like, why Why would we go to Minnesota? But I feel like in the summertime, y'all correct me if I'm wrong. I just feel like the summertime lake life is something to be seen. Um, I'll get you I'm, up here, man. All I know about Minnesota is what I've seen in the Mighty Ducks movies and Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know. Like when you say Oatana in my head, I hear it as like Oatana, you know, like that's all I know about Minnesota. So I want to like see it. Mike, can you tell me, and Zach, can you tell me, like, food-wise, is Minnesota popping? I hear, like, is there something, like, what, what is there out there? I would like to see it, but before I go, I want to know what I'm seeing. So we're, I mean, we're not really known for anything outside of fish. I mean, we got amazing walleye, stuff like that. Uh, but I wouldn't say our state's specialized in one <laughs> food in particular. But Minneapolis is an extremely underrated city, Minneapolis and St. Paul. I mean... I moved back here because I love it here. I mean, it's people come home all the time for a reason. It feels like home. But I, I personally think even like the the nature, the beauty side of it. I mean, it's one of the most underrated states there are. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But I think we're both biased. But I think, would you agree, Zach? He should come when the state fair next year is hopefully <laughs> happening in person, and that's then you can, he can hit a lake. The weather will be yeah. good. It'll be right around Labor Day. What's popping uh, on the state fair? For sure. Yeah, the state fair. They we get it popping on the state fair. A lot okay. of good. Food. Okay, and that's what it's in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Like, where's that? Yeah, right yeah. in that area. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. No, that's I mean it, it's an awesome state, and definitely I think it's one of the most underrated, just because people hate on the cold. But yeah, the cold sucks. It really does. Um, <laughs> How many, at the same how many months out the year is it cold? Like, obviously, like, in Chicago, for example, right? Like, once it's October, it's a wrap until, like, March or something. So, like, what's Minnesota <laughs> like? You never know in the Midwest, man. 
um, three, four months. I mean, can be longer, but um, global warming's happening. Minnesota is going to become a hotbed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think three or four months is being uh, a little too generous. I could be wrong, but Arush, I feel like, I mean, I, it's been a while, and I, I'm actually excited since the off season now is is for me like in September, October, November. I mean, usually it's in the summer, which is great to be in Minnesota, but I'm kind of excited to, to experience the cold a little bit here uh, okay. again. Like once October, November comes around, I mean, it, it snowed here. I think last year it snowed here, or this uh, this past year for sure in April, and I don't know if it was May, but I mean, it it can last a while the winter, so. Hey, makes you want to slap somebody. I'm a Texas boy, man. Like up until I'm 31, up until maybe a, two years ago, I had seen snow like three times or four times in my life. Like that's it, you know? <laughs> um, so it's just crazy like to talk to people that grow up in that year in, year out. It's just wild. But that's, that's yeah. yeah I, so have you always came home to Minnesota in the summers, off season? Yeah, I got a, I got a house like, uh, like an hour south of Minneapolis. Uh, <laughs> three or four summers ago so i'll just go and chill here and it's it's kind of you know out out in the rural parts just to kind of get away and, and chill um but before that i would come home and like stay with my mom or stay with my dad and just chill but uh right on. it's kind of good just to get back here like you said i mean uh i think home is where the heart is for everybody so it's cool to kind of come sure. here that's right well let's wrap let's wrap up with this then uh finals picks i mean who you got in the next two well, series hold and up hold buddy? up all right, all right, all right before we get to the finals who's winning game seven? Oh man that's a good one that's gonna be a good game that's tonight huh because yeah, yeah i don't know i mean uh i'm, I'm gonna pull for denver i hope okay. you want the upset yeah i think the world's world's pulling for them but i mean there's legacies on the line here. It's yeah, be, I mean, look. It's going to be wild. Again, invoking for the millionth time, I always do this, invoking my Rockets fandom. Uh, seeing the Clippers go down, blow a 3-1 lead again, like five years after the Rockets did it to them, I feel like that fan base would be for – I mean, I don't think you can come back from that. I, <laughs> like, I mean, come on, man. That's just pain, uh, especially for a fan base that, you know, has always – or not even a fan base, but a franchise that has really never done anything, never been to the conference finals to get that close, and then to get Kawhi and Paul George and to feel like, yo, this is our year, and to do it again, that's a backbreaker. But I just can't see Kawhi going down in game seven, honestly. Um, I am pulling for Denver, but I'm conflicted because I, I would like to, I'd like to see the Lakers get bounced as well, personally. Um, so I don't know. What about you, Zach? I need the Kawhi versus LeBron matchup. I need it, but I mean – Joker's throwing out all the punches right now. He's, I mean, he's looking like Dirk times two. I mean, the dude's for real. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, okay, so let's say – let's go to the East. Uh, Celtics Heat, Mike, what do you got? Man, uh, I'm pulling for the Heat in that series. Um, they're, they're playing great basketball. I mean, obviously Boston is too, and, and their series with the Raptors was phenomenal. Um, but I'm pulling for them. I'm pulling for Miami. Zach? I got Boston in seven games. I mean, I've had them basically since the beginning of the playoffs. And I just think Jason Tatum is going to be the best player in that series. Uh, it's Jimmy Butler, I'd say, has the edge right now as the best player. But I just think he's Jason Tatum game by game is getting better and better. 
Uh, that starting five is arguably the best in the league. But, I mean, the Heat, like I've been saying, are the deepest team I can imagine since, I don't know, the 2014 Spurs and the best chemistry I've seen as a complete team um, since that 2014 Spurs, which is arguably the most fun team ball I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Yeah, um, Boston has been my Eastern Conference pick uh, since before the playoffs. I just like, I love the way they play. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach. He knows, you know, how to make adjustments um, and how to, how to coach a team in the playoffs. And also, I think it's incredible what they've done without Gordon Hayward. I think a lot of people are kind of like taking that for granted. It's not really talked about as much. At least I haven't seen it. Um, but I mean, dude, they got, you know, multiple six, five, six, seven athletic guys that can go get a bucket off the dribble. They can switch and defend. They can pretty much do it all. Um, and I'm really, really happy to see Kemba Walker getting a chance to contribute on a bigger stage. Uh, Cause I feel like he's been underrated for a while. Um, so I'm going with Boston at seven as well. I really like what Miami has going on, and I love the underdog story, and I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan. I love everything about his approach to the game. Um, and also Goran Dragic, ex-Rocket, got a lot of love for him. And Duncan Robinson, man. I love shooters, uh, and that boy can shoot. So, uh, yeah, can. But I got the Celtics in seven. Um, so I'm, I, I want Boston to win it all, personally. Uh, Boston or Miami, I'd be cool with either. But I got Celtics in seven. So, uh Let's say, let's play it out either way, Western Conference. Let's say Lakers face Denver, Lakers face Clippers. What are we looking at? I mean, I guess I'm, I'm just going off what I'm pulling for, but the more I think about it, I mean, a Lakers-Celtics final would be kind of cool, yeah. uh, like a modern 2020 Lakers-Celtics matchup. In the bubble. In the bubble, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, Lakers, uh, Lakers uh, Clippers, you know, Western Conference final would be really fun to watch. Um I mean, I'm, I'm all screwed up. I don't really, I guess, like, personally make predictions. I just I just kind of, like, go with my emotions, who I want who I want to win in certain games. But, um, but yeah, I mean, tonight, I'm, I'm excited for tonight. That's going to be, that's going to be awesome, game seven. Yeah. Lakers but, all day. I've had them since game one I'm, preseason. Uh, I just think LeBron AD tandem is next level. I mean, I think just – Pairing two players that great, it's, it's basically Steph and KD, even though they had more players to go along with it. I think the Lakers just always are going to get a third party somewhere, and they got random outings game by game, and Caruso's been playing really good for them. So um, it doesn't really matter who their third wheel is. They, they just have enough talent that it can be any one of them at any given time. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't really have a feel <clears> – <throat> on the Clippers. I think they've been really difficult to gauge. Obviously they have like, their, their ceiling is extremely high. I just don't know what I'm getting from them game to game based on these playoffs. Um, I thought they would be wrapping people up pretty quick. Um, and they've, they've let opponents kind of hang around, which is usually not the mark of like, you know, the, the stereotypical champion. Um, not that that even matters because we don't know. But I have a general rule uh, of not betting against LeBron James because anytime I've done it, <laughs> I've been disappointed, uh, you know. And, but I always bet against him in the finals, right? Uh, I don't know. I ain't gonna say, I'll stay silent on that. I don't know. No, but, numbers don't lie. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But, uh, you know, I was surprised by the Lakers, man. I, I thought the Rockets were going to really give them hell. Um, but Frank Vogel did a hell of a job coaching. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they ditch their big lineup, you know, and if they keep JaVale and Dwight on the bench and kind of opt for the more, you know, quote, small lineup with AD at the five. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think boys were sleeping on Rondo too, man. Like I, I've seen Ray John Rondo who I think he's got high basketball IQ. He's, he's a, like a pest. He's got all those like little kind of stereotypical qualities and he showed the hell out against Houston. So I think he will be there. And I also think the Clippers have, and by the way, I'm assuming the Clippers win tonight, which is why I'm talking about the Clippers. But I think the Clippers have that issue that you've seen before, maybe with the Raptors in the past, where they're deep and that depth doesn't necessarily translate into the playoffs um, on a consistent basis. Like you see Lou Will kind of going cold. You see Montrez going cold um, because sometimes there's just not enough rock to go around. So we'll see. But I got Lakers, man. I got Lakers, Celtics in the finals. I can't really see LeBron losing in the conference finals. So. Well, either way, it should be some great games. It's fun to watch. Indeed. So, Mike, thank you for your time, man. We appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, guys. This is really fun. Yeah, man. Really appreciate it, Mike. Uh, best of luck this off season, and uh, enjoy the time at home, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, you guys take care, too, and we'll stay in touch. All right. Later. Later. Take care. <laughs>